Good evening. Hi, everyone. Hi. Um, isn't that fun? Little thing. Um, you guys know about that, right? Because I don't, but it's... <laughs> Okay, it's not my thing, but it's your thing. Um, hey, I got a couple. Um, I'm thrilled to be here tonight, by the way, with you guys and excited for what God has for us. Um, before we jump into word, I just had a couple things that have been in my heart this last week as I've been praying um, that I felt like I want us to start out with. Um, so the first one, this actually, this was during worship. I, I had this picture of, um, you know, when the Israelites were standing at the edge of the Red Sea, if you guys remember that in the Old Testament. And, and I had that picture, and then, I, and then I felt like God said, do you know how I moved the water? And I was like, yeah, it says you shifted the wind. And he said, no, the Holy Spirit blew. And then I felt like he said that I commanded Moses to put the staff in the water, and, the spirit, and I commanded the Holy Spirit to move, or invited. You know, there's, there's the theological relationship, but he didn't command the Holy Spirit. But it's the heart of God to express that. And I feel like there's some people in this room that probably feel like you're standing at the edge of the impossible, and that you can trust the Spirit of God to blow and to move when it needs to happen. And my question to you tonight in the impossible is, God, what are you asking me to do? Because all Moses did was put the staff in the water. That's all he did. And God did the rest. So Moses had to ask God, what do I do here? This is impossible. Out of fear, right? If you put yourself in that situation or the story, he was freaking out. <laughs> all these people want to kill him, go back. And God said, just trust me. Just one simple thing to do that seems really kind of impossible and crazy. And with that, the Spirit of God moved. Okay? So if that's for you tonight, if you feel like you're seeing it like the precipice of the impossible, lay down fear and take move towards relationship. Because God has something for you. Okay? Um, is there anyone here tonight named Jill or Julie? I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to ask. Jill or Julie? You're pointing that way. Is there someone here named Julie? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, anyways, if you know someone named Julie, Julie, let me just offer this that I, that I felt like was one thing God put in my heart, and feel free to share it with them. Um, I felt like God said, hold on, your breakthrough is coming. God hears your cries, and it's time to bring others in. If you know a Jill or a Julie, I just want to ask you to share that with them. Yeah, I was at this college service, and this guy shared this thing, and I just, maybe this could be God. Because that could be the very thing that unlocks our freedom. We don't know. But we do know he uses us to set people free. It's amazing. Um, where's Hayes? Hey, man. Can I embarrass you for a moment? Come on up here. Come here. Does everyone know Hayes? Um, we met Hayes when you were little. I don't know. On the field somewhere. And um, thrilled you're here. Can I, can I, I just have something from the Lord for you. Yeah. It's all right? Okay. Um, Hebrews 12 says that we stand before a great cloud of witnesses and they're cheering us on so we don't grow weary. And I felt like God wanted us to be Hayes' great cloud of witness tonight, okay? And tonight I feel like there's gonna be a shift for you. That question of almost and not quite there, the rings in your soul, almost not quite there. Tonight's the night for it to be free. That he sees you, Hayes. And that, Hayes, you're a leader. Your God has anointed you as a leader. Not because your dad is and your mom is. Because he's chosen you. And where you've led out of striving, today's the day where you actually start leading out of freedom. Okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to put Hayes down here. Okay, Chris, can you come stand next to him? Okay. 
And I actually want, Chris, hey, this is just a prophetic little deal. Turn your back to everyone. Okay, Chris is with you. Okay. And what I want us to do is stand up and I want to cheer him on. Now this is, imagine, here's the picture. Hayes just ran a marathon and we're thrilled that he made it. He didn't die along the way. Jesus, the almost and not quite yet will die in your soul. That question will no longer ring inside of your heart, Hayes. Wondering if you're going to make it and you have what it takes. Today's a new day. There are people that follow you because they're your friends. And Hayes, in the spirit, you are anointed to lead people. Again, it's not a family thing. It's not my, it is you. God's chosen you. You get intimacy so others get intimacy. And tonight, hey, things change. Tonight, things change. So in the name of Jesus, renew his mind, God. The familiar accusations and thoughts will die right now as we stand behind him and in front of him and say, Lord, set this man free every way that he needs liberty, God. Let him taste and see how good you are. And with that, in the name of Jesus, just the secret place will no longer be elusive to you anymore, Hayes. And Jesus said, go into the secret place and lock the door where no one sees and the Father in heaven will see and reward you for your time. I just say in Jesus' name, your presence is Hayes' greatest reward. You start ordering his days, ordering his class schedule, ordering everything around that secret place. Oh God, that he'd be a man addicted to your presence. Not to produce for anyone else, but just because he's yours. We thank you for this man of God. We bless him, Lord. We just say we choose to follow and we choose to encourage. We choose to lift his arms up when he's weary. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you. Um, Okay, two more quick things. Does anyone, this is kind of random, but I just maybe. Does anyone have a pain like right up here underneath their like rib cage? I don't even know like what organ that would be. Okay, great. If you run into anyone that might go, oh, I got this pain, take a moment and pray for them because there's faith behind that word. Ah, thank you. I was squirming a little bit. Can we pray for you? Okay, great. Why don't you stand up? You guys around here, can you just lay hands on her and pray for her? Thanks for being bold. Thank you. So in the name of Jesus, guys, let's just pray with me. In the name of Jesus, in her faith of rising her hand, I speak healing right now. We agree for healing for her body. God, and even just the, there's fear attached to that. What is that feeling? What's going on? In the name of Jesus, fear would be broken. And we trust you, Lord, for everything going on inside of her body. You knit her together in her mother's womb, and, and so you know attentively what's going on, and we trust you, Holy Spirit. And we speak peace to the fire, well, that burning sensation, that feeling by your ribs. We speak peace and healing in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, okay, one more, one more thing here. Um, you guys okay? You liking this? 
Okay, so just for the record, this is God expressing his love to us, and I'm with you. It's not, yeah, it's like nothing super whatever. It's just like God wants to say, hey, I love you. I want to display my love in this way, okay? The last thing is, is there anyone I say weariness of soul, specifically or with your walk with Jesus, that you're like, am I doing something, Drew? Okay, good. Um, weariness of soul, specifically your walk with God, where you're like, I'm just tired down here deeply. Okay, great. Thank you. Anyone else? Great. Okay, super. Why don't, if that's you, why don't you stand up, people around them. What I want us to pray, what I heard the word that God kept saying was awaken. And I just want to speak that word into your soul. Okay, just pray what God puts in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, as they've risen their hand, I just ask you, Lord, to come and move and heal. And Lord, we're, we're striving to try to get somewhere has brought a weariness of soul. God, we agree in the name of Jesus. Water this garden. Water the garden with your presence, oh God. And we all declare in the name of Jesus, awaken and live. You will not die, declares the Lord. You will live. Awaken and live, no longer striving. But now's the time. Now's the time. Thank you, Lord. And I, I just, yeah, you, and those of you that stood up, I just, God, was, you're going to start hearing his voice say, this is the way, walk in it. Even when you go to bed at night and you're thinking about when to get up because you want to spend time with Jesus, but you're tired, you're going to hear the Holy Spirit say, this is the way, walk in it. You walk into class and you hear the Holy Spirit say, this is the way, walk in it. Pull aside, find that secret room, pray with me, talk to this person, study more, whatever. You're going to start learning his voice is a comforting, soothing place for a weary soul. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. It's good. It's good. Um, <clears throat> hey, let me introduce you to my family. You got that picture up there? This is not my family, this little <laughs> pink heart, in case you're wondering. There they are. Yay! This is my bride of 25 years. Yeah. Did I get it right? Is it 25? We're almost 25. We're getting close to 25. So, um, college sweetheart, been married a long time. I'm so thankful for Jenny. Um, we have two beautiful daughters. Maya is on the right. She's 18, and she'll be at GCU next year. Now, I need to say something. I don't understand the gold lobes thing, because I always think earlobe, and it's not that, is it? It's antelope thing. I'm trying, guys, but it's hard for me, but I'm trying to figure it out. So, anyways, excited for Maya. She's got, she's got a journey ahead, and, um, and then Kinley's in the middle. She's 16, almost 17, and uh, we've lived overseas 14 years. Now, we were in Germany for two and a half years, and then in Portugal the last 11, and um, did some church planning in different places. We uh, ran a retreat center for pastors and missionaries that people came from all over the world. Um, we also got the privilege of traveling to different church planning teams in different parts of the world and helping them walk free and whole. So it's been a wonderful adventure. And about two and a half years ago, almost two years now, God started speaking, um, said it's time to come back. And so we've been here two years, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. So as Dawson said, so um, we're the young adults pastors here at the church, and that means anyone right out of college all the way up into like the late 30s, and in between, it's an incredible community of people loving Jesus and learning how to walk through life together. 
Um, I also um, lead the D school um, on Sunday nights. And so if you're graduating and you're looking for something to do next year, I just want to encourage you to potentially get a job. Not potentially, you need to get a job, <laughs> as you might have heard your parents say. But consider doing the night school on Sunday night. It's incredible, incredible experience. We have 30 students in there right now, and there's some that are like 18 and working jobs, and there's some that are like 65. And it's amazing what God's doing in people's lives. So invite you, officially invite you to jump in with us next year. If you, so, okay, um, let me show you one little card here. I, I don't know if you knew this. Life's actually more simple than we realize. This is actually sort of what we're talking about tonight. Can you flip to the next one? There it is. This is something that we worked through as a, our young adults community this last year, and I felt like I was just supposed to offer it to you. Oh, I got this cool thing. Watch this. Watch this. Look at that. <laughs> oh, isn't that amazing? I know. Drew, Drew equipped me with a laser shooter. I know. So... Um, these three things, just simplifying your journey in life. We are created for adoration with Jesus. We are made and live on this planet to adore our king, period. That is it. Why are you in school? Why are you looking towards getting a job? Why are you thinking about the summer? It's all about adoring Jesus. And out of that, we have two parts of our life that expression. One's transformation, one is commission. Transformation means, and we all have it, you and I both, we have stuff in life where we're like, oh, I wish I would be more free here. Oh, that with my parents, I wish that never happened. Okay, the pain in life, the struggle in life, God put us on this planet out of adoration to actually trust him for transformation. We're gonna look more and more like Jesus, the scripture promises us, as we adore him and we walk in healthy community. The other side is commission is that God's put us on this planet. There's a reason we're not in heaven yet, because the, the, the world is dying and going to hell. Not the world. There's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. They say it that way. It's probably better. Um, and he's put us on this planet to display his glory, not in a weird, awkward, forced way, but in a relational way. To say, start praying for your coworkers, start praying for your neighbors, start praying for your, your, the students around you, that kind of stuff. You guys talk about it. But this is what's life, if we could sum up everything, this is what life is summed up for. We're created to adore him, we're created to walk with him, and he transforms us both through his presence and his wisdom and through community, and we're called to live out this great commission in relationship with him. Does that make sense? Okay, so life's more simple. You're at school for this, not just to get a job. Isn't that amazing? And when you get a job and start making money and having benefits and paying bills, you have a job because you're created to adore him and to see your neighbors love him. That's it. It's not, it's not as complicated as it feels in life. Okay? I've lived a lot of, more life than anyone in this room, and I can promise you life feels really complicated at times. And I have to recenter to go, oh yeah, I'm made to love him. I'm made to let him change me through community and his relationship, but I'm made to, re to let the people around me know him, okay? All right, so there you go. La this laser shooter I'm gonna use later, but I'm excited about it. Um, hey, tonight, we're gonna, um, tonight uh, we're gonna talk about the mind, okay? So here's a little, little phrase to get us going. You ready? What we believe determines why we do what we do and how we live our life. Let me say it again. What we believe determines why we do what we do and how we live our life. What you and I believe determines why I do what I do. 
It's actually not mom and dad's fault with our dysfunction. Can I just offer that? It's actually my responsibility to deal with my stuff. What I believe determines how I live and why I live. Okay? Does that make sense, everyone? Are we tracking? Yeah, kind of? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll dive in deeper here. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, but if you're like me, you realize that um, there's a whole lot of life that's really weird. People believe weird stuff. Okay, people live weird things. So I have actually some list of phobias. So phobia is a fear, right? So here's some weird phobias. If this is you tonight, you can be free. <laughs> I hope this is no one in this room, okay? Um, you ready? Here's one. Aquaphobia. If I had a fear of water, could I drink this? No. If someone told me, oh, you have aquaphobia, I might die in living in the desert. Or maybe it's about swimming. I don't know. Weird fear, right? Here's another weird fear. Glossophobia. Anyone know what that is? Fear of speaking in public. Is anyone in this room a little afraid of speaking in public? Come on. I am too, and I'm standing up here. <laughs> now, there's a difference between this makes me a little nervous, Lord, why is this going on and help me be free, and I have a thing that makes me say that I'm justified in living in fear about speaking in public, and I can never speak again in public because I live out of this identity, okay? Here's another one. Zoophobia. The fear of animals. Wait, let me show you my animals real quick, and you'll see if you're afraid of the animals. Can you go back? These are my animals. Yes, left side is kiwi. And the right side is Lizzie. Yes, Lizzie is as lazy as you might imagine from that picture. This is Lizzie. Another nap on the pillows. And mom keeps telling her to get off the pillows, and she loves the pillows. So if you had zoophobia, you'd see this and be like, ah, run. Because what we believe determines how we live, right? And so if we believe fear, is, fear guides how we live, then it's going to determine our responses to things like that. That at one level, we're like, oh, kiwi is so sweet. But if you're choosing fear of kiwi or hamsters, you're going to like, he's going to eat my fingers. The reality is fear keeps you away from receiving kiwi's love. Kiwi's a sweet hamster, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's true. Um, here's another one. This one's really weird. Ready? Uh, anatodiaphobia. Anatodiaphobia. Does anyone, can anyone guess what that is? I'm not kidding. This was on a website, so I'm sure it's true. Um, the fear of ducks watching you. We're weird, right? There's someone on this planet that goes, I have natadiaphobia, and so when migration happens, I go hide in my house for two weeks while the ducks fly by because they may be watching me. You know what I'm saying? It's weird. Okay, ready? Ambulophobia. What's that? Do you want to know? Not ambulance. That's a good guess. Walking. Bree gets the reward. Good job. The fear of walking. So if you're on campus tomorrow and you see someone skipping to class they may need to be free from ambulophobia because they're afraid of walking. <laughs> kind of weird. Okay, let's keep going. Um, gamophobia. The fear of marriage. Ooh, that's weird. Yeah. If you had a terrible upbringing and your parents' marriage was horrible, you might have to struggle with this a little bit. Promise, in Jesus and marriage, it gets better. Okay, here's one. And I think it may have this, but I'm not being diagnosed. Lachiophobia, the fear of childbirth. Oh my gosh. Yes, I might. I've, seen, I've been in the room for two childbirths, my children. I'm so glad Jenny was the one doing it, not me. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. 
Is anyone relating here with any of these? Yeah, kinda. Okay, here's one more. Um, scopophobia. Now we need to test this out. What's that? What did you say, creepy? It is kind of creepy. The fear of being stared at. So test your neighbor and see if they have this fear. Look at them. Look at them. Ah! Okay? So. So here's my point in reading all those. There are people that walk this planet that say, I'm afraid of ducks looking at me, and I have a diagnosis now, and so that justifies my fear. There are people that live this life that are afraid of marriage, and they say, I have a, I have a title now, and so I'm not gonna do marriage, and I never take the point to go, God, where does this fear come from? Now you've so called, you're able to set me free. Now I can actually walk whole towards marriage. Now, are there parts of getting married that probably are like, oh, this makes me nervous? Yes. Does that mean that we have to give it a label and call you now stuck and in bondage? No, no. Okay, here's the quote. This is important. If we look at what we think or what we feel and we give it an affectionate name, we now give power to reside in my life and to determine how I live. Let me say it one more time. If we, th our thoughts or our feelings and we give it an affectionate name of some kind, I have this label now. Now I give that fear, anxiety, insecurity, a place to reside inside of me and determine how I live. But when we look at the word of God and we walk in healthy community, we can be whole and free. We're gonna talk about three different ways, but it just, it all starts with our belief system, our minds, okay? So here's, here's another example for you. Dawson, come here. Yep. So <clears throat> being back for two years here, and walking with young adult, and we are so honored. We are incredible people we get to walk with. But one thing I've seen a little bit that concerns me, and I just want to use Dawson as an example. Dawson's a, he's one of the few men that I'm around that I feel short, <laughs> okay? So let's call Dawson insecurity. If I walk in a room with you and I start going, oh, what are they thinking about me? Am I dressed right? What's going on? Am I, do I have the pointer cool? Am I, and I go, now I'm going to take Dawson's hand, and he's my friend, and I live around walking with you, but I'm hiding my friendship with insecurity, I give him power to stay and to guide how I live. And so I might go this way, and Dawson's like, nope, 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 go this way, insecurity. I might see someone, God says, go talk to her, and Dawson's like, insecurity, don't do it, don't do it. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you. I never held your hand, but, it, <laughs> but we did it. Okay, so I just want to submit, and, and, I, and I, I'm going to step on a toe here, so please stay with me, okay? I have some scripture that will help with this. Fear, insecurity, maybe nausea when, you, when you're about to take a test, panic attacks, things like that. I just wanna submit to you that they're not your friends. Those things are determinative of actually something deeper that God wants to do in our life. We need help, we need each other, we need our life group, we need the community of God, we need to be in his presence so we can be free but those are not your friends. So here's an example. About three weeks ago, Malia said, hey, we were praying, we wanted to ask you to come and speak tonight. And I was like, great, and inside I'm like, oh no! Okay, no, so this is, I'm being super vulnerable. You guys great? I'm gonna get off the stage so you really see me human. Okay, so earlier this week, I've been praying, and I was earlier this week, I started to prepare, and I'm like, what were you saying? And I feel like he was speaking a few things, all right? 
started working it up, and then, and then I think two days ago, I started kind of working through some of the notes and the scripture, and I'm tightening it up, and inside I'm going, maybe she'll cancel. <laughs> I'm see- okay, is that okay, be honest? Yeah. Yes. I'm sitting here doing worship, and I go, I'm gonna forget everything. What do I do? And Holy Spirit says, you've prepared, and you've trusted, and you listen, and just relax, I'll help you. And I say, okay. So I worship him. And my thoughts drift back to insecurity and fear. And I have a choice to make. I could turn and run. No one will ever catch me. Okay? Is everyone okay with me being honest? Or I say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. God, you have called me to this. And so you give me grace to overcome insecurity. You see, for me, most of my life, my friendship has been insecurity. When I walk in a room, sometimes I think about myself way too much. And by the grace of God, I'm more free than I've ever been. But that analogy was a real one for me. And it's familiar enough that I go, no, I will not obey and listen to that voice because I'm called to walk with relationship with you. Okay? Is everyone good? Okay, so let's look at some scripture. This will help. Okay. So we're going to do three different things. The mind, there's three different things scripturally that God's called us about our mind and our heart. So why did we talk about mind and heart? Think about... Your mind and your heart is, and mine is like a castle, a walled castle. Inside of that walled castle, there's safety, there's authority, there's wisdom, there's like the king and the queen, and there's people, the courts, there's commerce happening, there's good dialogue, there's life. Everything's safe inside because the castle is protected. But if the doors get swung right open, what happens? Eventually, bad people get in, right? Our minds and our hearts are similar. We have to protect our minds and our hearts. Scripture is clear. We're going to look at something about this. It is not a passive lifestyle that God has called us to live in order to stay free. It's actually very active and relational. So your heart and your mind, mine and my, my heart and my mind, are like walled castle, and I have to keep the doors closed to guard them. It is an active part of relationship with him. So we're going to look at, um, let's go Philippians 4. If you got your Bibles, we'll go there, but it's going to be on the screen as well. Okay, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. You guys ready? There it is. Look at that. Okay. Um, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received from or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, did you see the first instruction there? said, when we do these things, we can guard our heart and our mind. So the first thing I want to submit to us is that we actually are responsible to guard our heart and mind. It's actually my responsibility. I don't passively live life and then the next feeling that comes forward and I just do that feeling. I say, Lord, what do you think? I live in healthy community. This thought that goes through my brain, I stop and I go, God, is this you? Is this not? Okay. So here's a couple things. Let's go jump back to verse four. 
Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say again, rejoice. If you and I live the rest of our life just practicing this, we will be transformed people. Finals are around the corner. What if we rejoice all the way through finals? I'm serious. What would rejoicing look like? And how would you be different in the other end? Because rejoicing combats fear. It is the opposite of fear. Rejoicing says, you're on the throne and I'm gonna be okay. Everything's all right. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. If you have a hard time not being gentle with your roommate, you probably are missing the reality that the Lord is near. If you have a hard time not being gentle with your parents or your siblings, it's probably that we need more revelation how near God is to me. Because a lot of times the lack of gentleness is actually self-protection. If you get too close, you might hurt me. I'm gonna keep a distance. I'm gonna be sharp. I'm gonna be sarcastic. I'm gonna be edgy. Instead of just going, God, I need more revelation of you. I'm gonna repent for that, but I need more revelation of your nearness. Okay, verse six. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what? don't be anxious about anything. That means that there are things all day long that could make us anxious, right? This is yes, come on. Yes, there are things all day long that could make us anxious. Everything. The traffic driving here, how late we get out, homework coming up, friendships, relationships, family, money, name it. There's everything all day long. We have temptations of, am I going to choose anxiety? And we have a choice to make. Am I going to partner with it? Or am I going to say no? Am I going to say, hey, let me take your hand because anxiety, you're my friend, and you've helped me walk through these things before? Or do we actually practice what the word says? with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving or present a request to God. And this is the promise. When we do this, in the peace of God, which it transcends understanding, will guard your heart and mind, Christ Jesus. Let me, let me put a little translation on that. And, and the peace of God will blow your mind and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, when it settles inside of our soul so fear and anxiety doesn't rule, we have a peace that goes, how is this happening? How am I going through finals and I'm not just freaking out? How am I walking into my final and I'm actually saying, God, the peace of God's with me right now. I'm gonna be okay. So for me in college, you know where this shifted? As I read this verse, these verses, and I was like, God, I wanna live this. So I, I, this is the practice I had. You're welcome to take it if you want. I'd sit down and a test would come and my palms are sweating, my mind's racing. I'm like, I'm gonna forget everything I studied. I did, I did my job and Holy Spirit, I'm like, God help, God help, God help, you know? And what I started doing was the test would come to me. This is, do they do paper tests still? Okay, I didn't know if they're like computer or not. Okay, sorry, sorry, I don't know. Um, so paper tests would be given to me and everyone would be like, <gasps> you know, work and trying to get their brain and I would take my test and I would turn it over. And I would say, Lord, I trust you that everything I put into this, you're gonna be with me. And then I'd flip over my paper and I'd write on the top right, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength every time. And I said, now bless the work of my hands, God. And my, my grades changed overnight. And I actually had teachers, they would call me up a few days later and they'd be like, what are you doing differently? Your test grades are looking really good, you know? And then they'd go, I like what you wrote on here. Big smile, and then I leave. 
Because I said, I'm tired of living this way. I'm not gonna be a slave any longer. So there's a natural part of life. It's like, oh no, here it comes. There's a part that flips over to a place of actually sin. And that's where we're gonna live. Okay? So the peace of God will blow your mind. Do you have a place in your life you're like, I need my mind blown with his peace? He could offer that to you tonight. Verse eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, um, whatever is, oh, I just come jump around, sorry. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praise where you think about these things. Here's a remedy to fear and anxiety. Think about these things. Here's actually a determinant of what this thought is because if you like me, thoughts go through your brain and you're like, that's in a first person and that's really familiar, it's probably right. Did anyone catch that? Thoughts go through our brain and it sounds like me. It must be me. And never once do we stop and go, what's the fruit of this? I don't wanna go there again. And so we come back and this is gonna be a filter for us. Is this thought pure? Is it lovely? Is it true? Is it right? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? If it's those things, then I let it reside inside of me. If it's not, I go, oop, gate's falling down. I gotta build the gate up again. Lord, I trust you. I worship you. I rely on you. And we just, we live in a place of worship. And then our mind and our hearts aren't taken control of. And then verse nine, whatever you've learned and received or heard from me, are seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That's discipleship. If you want to get free, learn to walk with people. I'm serious. Learn to say, who's my life group leader? And say, hey, can I get together with you every other week? I need some help. I just want to be known. If we want to get free, we need other people. This is Paul, Paul's exhortation to the Philippians, and it is God's invitation to you and I. If we're not in a relationship like that where someone knows me and I'm seeing myself walk in more freedom, then take stock of it and before the night's over, reach out to someone and say, hey, can I get together with you? Your life will change, I promise. 25, 30 years, 30 years we've been involved with Antioch around the world and this is the key to transformation, is submitting my life underneath other people. Doesn't matter if they've walked with God longer than me, doesn't matter if they're older, if they're young, doesn't matter. God, who am I called to walk with? I want to submit my life underneath them. And when I do that, my life changes. Okay? All right, we good? Okay, here we go, next one. So the first one is that our, our, our mind needs to be guarded. Our next one is that our mind needs to be renewed. Our mind needs to be renewed. And these may be familiar to you, but I just want to read them real quick for us and, and um, <clears throat> just point out a couple important things. Actually, here's an example. So... About two months ago, I was trimming some trees at our house, and I looked down, and there's this thing on the ground, and I brought it for you tonight. It's a thing, and it's in here. No, it's a thing. And I was like, oh, that's a leaf. Then I looked closer, it's like, no, it's alive. Okay, look, it's a chrysalis. It's huge. Isn't it amazing? Okay. Just for the, anyways, I, okay, I like animals, so this is a chrysalis, and it's massive, so I don't know the size of the worm that went on this thing, and I have no idea what's coming out of it, but I brought it in the house, and I showed Jenny and Mike and Kinley, I was like, look what I found, they're like, gross, and they're like, wow, that's cool, so we've had this, we've, <laughs> anyway, he's moving, we've had this hanging in our laundry room, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, just a second. On the, he's, I can't see because I'm holding. I don't know if you touch him, but he's kind of might die or something. I don't know. But he's got this little thing he built. I don't understand how God does this. But we had it hanging on a little nail in our laundry room the last like month and a half. And I was like, hey, this makes a point. I'm going to get it. And so I went there before coming here, and I started to take it off, and this bottom part went, and I was like, ah, it's alive. <laughs> so this is a chrysalis. I don't know what's going to happen. And honestly, I don't know if it's venomous or has big fangs, but it might come out tonight. We'll find out. Just kidding. Okay. There's a point to this <laughs> besides show and tell. Um, this little thing was a worm, right? This worm crawled through our little trees and his sole purpose in life was not to get eaten by birds and to find the next leaf and consume it. That's all he did. And if you're like me, like that's a horrible life. There's so much of the world to enjoy. And then he starts doing something that God made him do that he's probably like, what am I doing, right? And he starts building this chrysalis thing and has this little hook part on it. And inside of there turns from a worm to mush. What was is not what will be. And what's gonna emerge, we have no idea. I'm kind of excited and nervous. It may like be flying around our laundry room or something one morning. I don't know what's in it, okay? But what emerges is gonna be something drastically different from what's was. And what emerges is actually gonna fly and is gonna be beautiful and it's gonna create beauty for other people. That's what a transformed life looks like. We can live life partnering with fear and anxiety and saying, I'm gonna kind of crawl through life and my sole desire is to eat the next leaf just to pass the test, just to be nice tomorrow, just to show up on time, just to you fill in the blank. Or we could go, Jesus, would you absolutely radically transform me? And what comes out of that place where we become mush? We die, he lives, and we display his glory. That's astounding. But I promise you, if you haven't yet, you'll understand the mush stage of life. The more we say yes to Jesus, the more he's saying, there's more of you to be on my display. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Okay. This is what Romans is talking about here. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's the two descriptors of worship here? Look back on that first verse. What's the two descriptors of worship? What's our job if we want to be worshipers? If, can I just say, we, we have a once-a-month service for young adult called Abide. I love feedback. So I'm going to ask the question, but I actually want you to like... Give me something. Okay, so what does it say? In view of God's mercy. Yes, holy and pleasing. And? This is my true and proper worship, okay? There's actually two parts. The first part we missed. In view of God's mercy. Worship keeps an eye on the cross and never lets it go of our locking your eyes on it. In view of God's mercy, as I fix my eyes on the cross and the work that it's done in my life, and I will be free. In view of God's mercy and offering my body as living sacrifice. Listen, if you're in this room, you probably, there's parts of your life that you're like, I don't feel holy and I don't feel pleasing to God. Maybe for you, if you look over your shoulder and you're like, I did that thing the other day and I looked at that stuff. 
And I certainly don't feel holy or pleasing to God. It may be that you think about your high school years and you had a relationship and you're like, oh, I messed up and I gave away the best part of me. God, can you ever redeem that for my spouse? And you don't feel holy and pleasing. And I guarantee you there's, there's students in your class that walk around and have a good face, but inside they're dying inside because they don't feel holy and pleasing. And God's invitation here is if we want to live a life of worship, we actually get rid of the I don't feel this way, and we realize he died on the cross in view of his mercy, and so we fix our eyes on him. And when we do that, we realize in his eyes we are holy and pleasing to him just because you're his son and his daughter, period. Because of that, I offer my body as living sacrifice, a natural expression of worship is, Lord, you have all of me, okay? So there's two components of worship we wanna live out. I fix my eyes on Jesus in view of his mercy, and because of his mercy, I now see I'm holy and pleasing to him, and when I am, I'm alive, and my mind's renewed. That leads us into verse two. Don't conform the patterns of this world. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. Okay, that's the worm to the, the uh, butterfly. That's the gush part of life. Is I'm gonna offer my body's living sacrifice. I'm gonna fix my eyes on the cross. And every time that feeling, that thought goes through, if I'm not holy, I'm not pleasing because I did that thing, we're gonna say, Jesus, I trust you. And I fix my eyes back on the cross. And I stay there. I stay there. Guys, this is the moment where you like, my feelings say one thing, the truth says something else, I will follow the truth. My thoughts say one thing, my parents said one thing, my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers told me this thing. Wait, your word says I'm holy and pleasing. I let that be true and everything else not true. And it'll shape the way we live. So the Bible says he invites us to be transformed by the new of our mind. So our mind needs to be guarded and our mind needs to be transformed. And it comes with this reality. And then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you graduate, you will need this verse. Because you'll be like, all my social outlets are gone. All of my financial input is gone. All of my structure is gone. And now what do I do with life? You're gonna need to know this. Please, put it in the back pocket. Last two years of walking in this incredible community, there are people that get out, graduate college the first year or two, they're like, who am I? What do I do? And some drift from community and God. But others go, I'm gonna be grounded. I'm gonna create community. I'm gonna walk with my king. So if you wanna know what God's will is for you when you graduate, live a life of worship. And you realize everything he invites you into is good, perfect, and pleasing. Okay, 14 years on the field, I could tell you stories that in the natural aren't very good, perfect, and pleasing for our family, things we've been through, stories we've heard of pastors and missionaries and the horrible things they've gone through. And I have to go back and go, I fix my eyes on Jesus, I offer my body as a living sacrifice, and now, God, what's your will? And those stories of things done get redeemed and transformed because our mind needs to be renewed, okay? All right, last one real quick. Um, is our mind needs to be strengthened. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. We read through, there's several verses here, one through five. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, 
If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interest, um, but each of you to the interest of others. Verse five, and in, the, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And it goes on and explains Jesus' life on this earth. Our minds need to be strengthened like a muscle. And this is what this is talking about, of how do we live out life so that I have, I'm like-minded? It speaks to unity, it speaks to comfort, it speaks to the choices we make. Think about if you're trying to, you're doing curls, trying to strengthen your biceps, right? And there's the resistance of the weight now creates strength inside of your arm and your biceps change. Your mind is the same and my mind's the same. I have to choose the path I go. I don't just take the next common thought that goes through and think, oh, that sounds familiar, I'll just go with that. We have to go back and go, wait, is this lovely, pure, true, right, so forth, so on, Philippians 4. We have to use that as a filter to go, no, 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 I'm not taking that one on. God, what's true? We just fix our eyes on the cross again, okay? So, the next slide I want to put up here, not that one, <laughs> that's that funny heart one again. <laughs> Look at this list real quick. We're wrapping up, okay? So stay with me just a few more minutes. We're wrapping up. Look through this list, really, read through some of them. I took these from these scripture and a few other scripture. These are promises when we live a life where we choose to have our mind guarded, our mind renewed, and our mind strengthened. It's a life choice and journey. This is what we get. Does anyone want any of this? Overlay this with your most common challenge in life. And you go, I get complete joy. I get unity. If you're needing unity in your relationships with your roommates, for example, this is the fruit of renewed mind. I want that if we can keep, sometimes it's helpful to keep the target in mind so we actually can walk through the process. Okay? This is the promises of God. You can have all of this and more if we want it. If we want it. Okay? So let me give you one practical. You guys want a practical real quick? Yeah. Okay. I was going to um, uh, Morocco and there was a team on the ground. And one of the husband and one of the family was really struggling, back, had a um, past struggle with, with uh, drug abuse and stuff like that. And he was on the field and he's trying to learn lesson, trying to learn language, and it was really having a hard time. And he realized, he's like, he starts having these crazy thoughts towards, I could go get drugs and no one would know. I could go do, and this missionary family, kids, life, okay? Struggling with language and couldn't get it. And so I was asked to come in and go and just work with him for about a week. And I'm sitting on a plane, flying there from Portugal, and I'm like, Jesus, I have no idea what to do. I have no idea. And for some reason, they chose me to go help this kid that's really struggling big time. And his wife's like, Mayday, he's not okay. He could go get high tomorrow. He hadn't yet. Okay, this is all happening. And I'm like, God, help, 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 help. I don't know what to do. And I'm not kidding, I'm on the plane and all of a sudden this picture starts going through my brain and this is what I feel like God gave me. And for years of working with church planning teams in the field, I'd bring this out and I'd offer it to them as a pathway to more wholeness and freedom. 
Because missionaries aren't super Christians. Missionaries have normal struggles and temptations just like you and I. But they have the pressures of culture and life that actually makes it sometimes more difficult to stay clean. Okay, so can I walk you through this real quick? So this is a a practical help already. I got my pointer. Okay, every struggle is an invitation to intimacy. Don't forget that. This isn't the little thing, but this is one that I want us to catch. Every struggle is an invitation to intimacy. Every struggle is not an invitation to just not fall in sin. Every struggle needs to be a clue to go, I'm gonna find Jesus. I'm gonna meet with him. I'm gonna overcome. I'm gonna reach out to my my roommates and reach out to my friends who can walk with me, but I'm gonna stay clean. Every temptation, every struggle is an invitation to intimacy. It is. Okay, next one. Temptation, this is the flow. Temptation leads to belief. Belief leads to identity and identity leads to action. If I say yes to that temptation, so don't necessarily think this temptation like I'm gonna go steal something at the grocery store. Most of us in the room, maybe that's not our general kind of temptation, but it could be this. If I go to church tomorrow, I'm gonna see people and that makes me feel really anxious and so I'm not gonna go to church tomorrow. Every temptation, I don't wanna feel anxious and I don't know what to say when I see people and I'm worried, leads to a belief system. Oh, I just must be an anxious person. And those people at church don't really love me because no one talks to me. And then my identity switches to, oh, those Christians, they say they love, but they don't really love. And my action now becomes, I'm out of here, and I'm gonna tell all my friends how bad Antioch is or how bad the next church on the road is or how bad Christians are. You, You guys see that flow? You probably have known people there. And quite honestly, probably in this room, there's some of you that are on this pathway at some degree. And if you're not, you will be. You could be. I hope not. (laughs) But just be offered some wisdom here. Every temptation leads to belief, leads to identity, and identity leads to actions every single time. Okay, here's a little chart. Ready? Next next one. So let's take a situation. Uh, My roommates are mad at me. Okay? Um, Yeah, my roommates are mad at me. Okay, next one. So I have two choices in that. I can either go towards what's my heart need or I trigger. My roommates are mad at me and they yelled at me and, oh yeah, my mom used to yell at me this way and when I did that, I responded this way and so I start to trigger and I pull away and I get distance and there's fruit from that we're gonna look at in a minute. Or my roommates are mad at me and it makes me feel really uncovered and scared. God, what do I do? And Lord, I'm really afraid right now. And I meet with Jesus in that place. Next one, okay? If we go down this this pathway of trigger, then it's a downward spiral of thoughts, and it leads to destructive beliefs and actions. Every time, I promise you, every time. It will lead there. It's not like I should never trigger, I should never take a situation and say, I'm having a hard time, it's what do I do with it? So the next one gives us the option. Or, uh uh-oh, Freaking out, this scares me, what do I do? Oh Lord, what do I do to renew my mind? What are you speaking, what are you teaching me? God, this makes me feel A, B, C, and D. God, I feel this way, now what do I do? And then God said, and he leads us in a relationship to abundant life and fullness of joy. You see the choices we have, okay? The other option, and this, this is the last slide, is I actually have a situation in life. My roommates are mad at me, 
uh-oh, they just yelled at me. Now what do I do? I'm gonna trigger. No, no, I'm gonna find out what my heart need is here. I'm not gonna blame them. I'm not gonna accuse them. I'm not gonna start writing down all the things they said to me and playing the tape in my head. I'm actually gonna say, Lord, what's the truth about this situation? What do you, what do you want to meet in my life, the need in my life? And what do you think about this need? And we ask questions and we dialogue with God. And with that, it jumps us over to renewed mind and abundant life. This is everyone's pathway. Yours, mine, the Pope, anyone else in this world that we think super holy or whatever. We're all on the same journey and we have a choices to make. And it starts with what we believe, the situation and how do we choose, okay? So, last couple thoughts. Um, I know, I know that a lot of this is practical tonight, but I'm hoping that I'm giving you some tools to not get stuck. I'm hoping that I'm uncovering some normal um, things that the enemy does in our life that we just don't even realize. And I'm hoping that this propels you to life group and into your discipleship groups and say, can we talk about this more? These are the thoughts I have. Can you walk with me through it? Okay, we start getting really honest and vulnerable because vulnerability leads to freedom. All right? So, we're talking about enemies of our mind, and we talked about um, those thoughts that come through. You ready? <laughs> that was the cue. Um, <laughs> um, we talk about enemies of our mind. That's what we're after here is what is, how does our mind stay free and renewed, or how does our mind get stuck? And it's a choice we have. I just, one of the things I want us to leave tonight is that we, you and I, are not victims to our thoughts and our feelings. We are, not in control. we are in control of them. I control them. Even as real and overwhelming as they feel at times, it is, it is that real, the invitation of God to say, I'm gonna walk free or I'm gonna get stuck, okay? So what I want us to do is to think, we've talked earlier about um, anxiety and fear and a lot of different practicals that may feel really real and you may have people in your life that have told you, like, here's an example. Oh, you're just a shy kid. All your life you've heard that. Just a shy kid. And so now you walk into social settings and you just realize, oh yeah, I'm a shy kid. And you're actually obeying insecurity instead of walking out in who you are as one who's called to love and to receive love. Or you might say, oh, I'm just an introvert. True, there's introverts and extroverts, but if we play that introvert out to a point, it can actually be an excuse to insecurity and fear. I'm gonna stay home and play video games because I'm an introvert. No, I'm actually afraid of people and I need to be free. Okay? So here's my question tonight. If you could, if what would life be like if that was gone in your life? And fill in the blank. What would be like if, be like if that thing is gone? that familiar thought that leads you down that familiar path that leads you towards the familiar experience that you hate the fruit of that familiar experience and I want to pull us back to say actually we're responsible to say God I want to be free what would life be like if that was gone okay think for a minute what would it be like a label to it in your mind. If, I'm gonna, if you're comfortable just to close your eyes for a minute, I just want to walk us through a couple things. Okay. Think about what that would be. 
life be like? What would, or when Jesus said in John 10, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What would abundant life feel like and look like if you were free? And that's what I think he wants to deal with us tonight and offer to us. Is that freedom? Is that reality? We can be free. stand I can and as we just finish the evening and worship for a little bit I, I want to ask that you'd consider that tonight's an invitation from the king of kings to say hey let's be free let me offer you a way out so you can stand up underneath it the other thing I just felt like I wanted to highlight is if when it said that God wants to give us mind-blowing peace, do you need that kind of peace today? The kind that makes you go, I have no idea what happened, but I love what's happening inside of me. It's not a salvation moment. It's actually, a, it's actually being saved moment. God, you're saving me from this pathway of familiar thoughts and familiar struggles. So what I want to invite you to do is if there's, if you need that kind of peace, that foundational peace, or if you also equally say, I actually want joy. I actually want joy. That means every situation that comes my way, I'm not shaken. I can still smile. If there's something tonight that you're like, I want one of those, I want to invite you to come down. I'd love for us to pray for you. If you want that kind of peace or if you want a kind of joy that strengthens your soul, I want to invite you to come and offer it to him and see what he'll do. Okay. Thank you, Lord. And so we ask you, God, in our time remaining, would you come and set us free? Come and set us free, oh God. Come on and set us free, oh God. Just anything we talked about tonight and you're like, oh, what if that's true? What if anxiety would actually die in my life? What if it's true that I don't have to actually have panic attacks anymore because anxiety and fear wells up so much? What if it's true This is the place to come and meet with him. This is the time. Just please don't leave tonight without receiving from him what you need.